The morning ritual is sponsored by Factor. Factor's ready-to-eat meals make eating healthier so much easier. These meals are chef-made, they're dietitian approved and delivered right to your door. With Factor, you have over 35 different options a week to choose from. There's no prep, there's no mess. Factor meals are 100% ready to feast and eat. Just head to factormeals.com slash TMR50 and use code TMR50 to get 50% off. That's code TMR50 at factormeals.com slash TMR50 to get 50% off. The Morning Ritual is sponsored by Recess Mood. One healthier alternative to alcohol after a stressful day is Recess Mood. So Recess Mood is a sparkling water and it's infused with functional ingredients like magnesium and stress balancing adaptogens. So you can relax without the alcohol or the hangover. Podcast listeners get 15% off the Recess Mood sampler pack at takearecess.com slash TMR. Recess Mood is made with real fruit and it comes in four delicious flavors like strawberry rose and raspberry lemon. With only 20 calories and no added sugar, it's a guilt-free way to unwind. You deserve a healthier way to unwind. Head to takearecess.com slash TMR and get 15% off Recess Mood, your go-to alcohol replacement. I think for anyone that is going through a loss, whatever that is, you know, at this moment, it's really important to ask yourself, you know, how am I tending to this grief? Welcome to the morning ritual, meditations and conversation to set the tone for your day. I'm your host, Lily Balch. That was a little snippet from my conversation with Karen Lane, which I'm really excited to share with you. Karen is a critically acclaimed jazz musician, voice coach, and yoga teacher. I know Karen from taking her classes here in London, and I'm so happy she was the first person to try the Morning Ritual's new guest format. Instead of bringing wellness experts on to teach or lecture or have something really cleanly prepared, I'm more interested in having a casual, open-form conversation about what these individuals in the field are currently navigating, an opportunity to have an honest conversation around the potentially more challenging human emotions and experiences. Karen touches on grief, change, identity, and the practices that she's currently leaning on. And following the conversation, you'll find a meditation that gives you space and time to feel into whatever it is that you're experiencing today. I hope you enjoy. Hello, Karen, and welcome to the Morning Ritual Podcast. Hi, Lily, and thanks for having me. It's great to be here with you. Thank you for coming on. You're kind of like a guinea pig right now. <laughs> oh, I like that. <laughs> I'm trying on a um, I'm trying on a new sort of guest format. So previously, I've had guests come on, share their expertise, guide us in a practice, very clean and and simple, which works. But I'm really interested in bringing on um, wellness experts and kind of 
flipping the script and seeing, you know, you're, you're a human too, navigating Absolutely. life and challenges and emotions. And I just want to use this as an opportunity to, to hear from you what you're navigating and kind of have a, just a casual conversation around it. Mm, I think it's so true. Um, as a wellness expert or as wellness experts, we expect ourselves to be so readily available in service of our clients. And to be honest, it's quite a demanding role. And if you've not, you know, if you've thought about stepping into this kind of offering in a professional way, I think when you, it's much more demanding than you realize to be emotionally holding space for people and, and present uh, day after day. So whether you're a yoga teacher, breathwork specialist, or, you know, a healer of some sort, you know, you still have to turn up, but we still have our life going on behind the scenes with whatever emotional challenges that brings for us. So it can be really difficult um, as a wellness person to always be on your best form supporting other people. Yeah. And for our listeners, I take Karen's classes in London. Um, she teaches these beautiful uh, yoga classes. And while she's so good at holding space, you really are so good at, at holding oh, space. You. you do bring in this vulnerable side of you. You're upfront mm -hmm. and honest about, you know, feeling a little tired today and this is where it is. And that is so appreciated by students when you can just be where you're at and it invites the student to also do the same. And it's this like yeah. reciprocal energy. And so rather than like, I don't know, something else. No, I absolutely um, feel really strongly about this as a yoga teacher. I know some lineages of yoga a little more strict, shall we say, in how the physical practice might be done. But for me, that doesn't really work. So I'm, as a teacher, yoga teacher, I very much invite students in my space to come to the space as they are and to reflect any day, any moment on how they're feeling and throughout the journey, say if it's an hour practice, how you're feeling and, and really taking that practice in a way that's going to honor their body and their physical and emotional well-being at any given time. And each day we step on the mat, it's a different, we're bringing a different person, mm. even though it's the same person. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we're bringing different things to the mat every day and we need to be mindful of how we practice um, and not just be like forcing ourselves to practice in a certain way because we think it's expected or we think this is an ideal or perfect for want of a better word way to do the asana or something you know what I mean it's just I think it's so important for also for people to tune in I think people are not really adept at tuning into their own bodies so the physical practice if we as teachers encourage people to start doing that and tuning in I always like to give in the practice as you know a little bit of time for not a specific movement so you know take oh here's a movement but take it the way you want to take it in your body and that really helps students to tune in to themselves, I think. Yeah, because that's what it's all about. It's about coming back to you, coming back to your authentic self and letting thing, everything else kind of fade away. But with all that being said, I want to um, ask what you've brought today. What's something that you've been navigating that, I don't know, might be a little messy right now? 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, life is messy, isn't it? <laughs> Definitely. Um, well, yeah, I mean, I'm a woman of a certain age. Um, so I've been navigating, you know, the perimenopause um, stage of my life. Um, and that has thrown up some massive changes, especially uh, emotionally. You know, um, I've always been quite a fairly steady person. You know, I guess, you know, we we sort of pride ourselves on, you know, being um, responsible and getting on with things, I guess, especially with my upbringing and, and, and lots of people's upbringing will kind of, you know, soldier on type mentality, keep going no matter at all costs. You have to get up and face the world and work hard every day. Otherwise you won't be quote successful. Um, so navigating the perimenopause has been challenging because things that I hadn't experienced before, like anxiety and brain fog have come up. Um, and a bit of depression as well, which I hadn't really expected to encounter really like low mood. Let's, I mean, you know, it's all a continuum, isn't it? But I would say some low mood has come up with navigating this stage of my life, uh, as, and also the sleepless nights. So that doesn't help. Obviously we, you know, sleep is so important in keeping us emotionally stable, and this can be really, really difficult. And 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 the, if you've not had much sleep, the, the emotions with whatever else you're dealing with in your life really surfaces. And perhaps you're much more likely to be emotionally labor, like ready to cry at the drop of a hat. And can you do that in your corporate job? Is there space for that? Is there space for you to tend to your grief? And when I say grief, um, I'm talking about the, the sort of other emotions that are coming up for me at this time and what I've been navigating is really grief. Um, grief around this change in my life, not being a childbearing woman anymore. Um, and grief around my daughters growing up and becoming their own independent selves. So I have three daughters and two of them are young adults and one is not an adult yet but she, being the youngest she's ready and raring to be independent you know so I've had to relinquish my role as a mother with her much more well a couple of years earlier than I really thought I was going to be um because she's so fiercely wanting to do her own thing and be independent and and the more I can't you know I have to I mean, the word control comes up. It's not that I'm trying to control her, but, you know, as a mother, you become very adept at, you know, saying, I think this is for the best. or I think that is for the best. You know, how about you try this? But when it comes to the point in your life, which often comes around about this, depending on when you've had your children, but, you know, around this perimenopausal or menopausal phase, there are so many other things changing as well. Yeah, it sounds like there's these physical changes happening and hormones and lots going on with the body and trouble sleeping and of course a body mind connection and emotions that's going to have a response to you on this emotional and energetic more subtle level but even mm. deeper than that when we go into identity and the roles that Absolutely. you've played I think our listeners could probably whether they're of the same age, going through the same thing as you are not, I think that our listeners could probably relate in the sense that change is hard. And mm -hmm. usually for better or for worse, usually requires some sort of 
loss. Um, and exactly. And with that loss, like you mentioned, there's a grief associated with it. Mm. So I'm I'm curious to dive into that a little bit more, like the loss of identity and the grief associated that you're experiencing. Mm. Yeah, I mean, obviously for me, it's the loss of identity as my role as a mother, but there could be so many other losses of identity. Could could be like a career loss, couldn't it? Or, um, you know, perhaps an aspiration, loss, loss of an aspiration that you had that you know is now not going to be fulfilled. There are so many things in our lives that we come across as loss and which we then find ourselves in a grieving process. And I just really feel that in our society, there's not really space um, to really feel into the pain of the grief. Um, we tend to squash it down. You know, we get given three days leave or something and then, you know, we're back to the grindstone. And this is just really not sufficient because grief has this way of, of coming back at you um, and when you're experiencing or going through a new grief, whatever that might be for, whatever reason or loss you've experienced, it has a tendency to pull up old forms of grief. So, you know, whatever place you might find yourself in and you're, and you're dropping into this new pain, and for, for me it's been relinquishing my role as a mother, which I've done for 26 years. You know, I've been a parent for 26 years, so relinquishing that it's, it's a massive change in my life and um, I have had to slow down really and try to find time to process this grief and the pain and to try and really like lean into it because we know with the mind-body connection if we you know if we suppress and we just continue on like nothing has happened our body retains this pain and grief and it doesn't get processed and it sits in the body might come out as some sort of physical illness maybe it just reserves maybe the grief just comes back out you know um in in a not I was gonna say inappropriate times I don't mean inappropriate I, I think grief doesn't necessarily conform to societal's behaviors you know the, the accepted behaviors in our society so it might be that that grief then comes back out at a time when you least expect it if you haven't really given time and space to tend to the grief and um i think you know in some societies i think they probably do the grieving thing a lot better you know in the sense that it might be you know howling and drumming and and community um grief you know space is held for people that are grieving you know in a much more community way um and we don't really do this we leave people alone to tend to their grief and it can be a really isolating experience yeah and one of my um one of my teacher's teachers, Roshi Joan Halifax, she has spoken on the five great territories of grief. So there's the loss of a loved one, the loss of one's identity, of a relationship, of places and things. And I think this one's interesting. The last one is a loss of capacity. Mm -hmm. And if you're listening to this, I can guarantee you've experienced one, if not all, of these 
losses in your life. And to what you're saying, Karen, it's like, it's so important. I think grief makes us slow down whether we want to or not. But if you can just force yourself to slow down before it kind of gets too intense and really let yourself process, um, this is what I'm hearing from you is that you're taking moments to slow down, to process, Absolutely. let it be. Because we have to let our emotions just be. We have to sit with the discomfort and let them be before they can move and be released, right? Exactly. We've got to feel into the pain to move through it. You definitely have to feel into these difficult emotions. As you said, let them rise up. And I think in our busy society, we are just so much more... Um, acclimatized to rushing back to work or um, continuing on with busyness or as a form of pain relief you know or you know overworking or exercising too much or other forms of addiction to numb the pain and I'm not sort of pinpointing or trying to lay blame or judgment on any of those things because we're all human and we all tend to maybe gravitate to some of that soothing, self-soothing kind of behavior, whatever it might be. I was about to say, what's yours? What's yours? <laughs> I don't know if I want to go there, but um, well, I think, you know, well, certainly for me, um, busyness is overworking. This work, this work ethic of that I've has been ingrained into me since I was a young child. And, and of course I come from a generation where my parents had more of a scarcity mindset. So the post-war generation parents. So a lot of people around my age, um, I guess, tend to overwork. I, th I think tend to overwork to numb the pain. And because that's been so programmed into us. Um, yeah, maybe having parents with a scarcity mindset. So that's a fairly generational thing, I think. But obviously grief one thing to mention, I think, is that grief shows up in all various ways, and it's not a linear journey. It's cyclical, and sometimes you can think you've moved through one phase or one stage, and then it comes back again. So I'm sure you've heard of the stages of grief, you know, and so you think you might be through the anger stage, but then it'll circle back on you. Yeah, they, like, intertwine and appear. They're, like so messy like we said it is messy and I appreciate you like being vulnerable and opening up about what you're experiencing because in the wellness world yoga meditation space we hear these and I say I'm on like every episode <laughs> these words like acceptance presence peace letting go these things which are so valuable and they have so much meaning but Putting it into a real life context, I think that this is a gorgeous, like what you're experiencing is a gorgeous opportunity for accepting change. Mm -hmm. I think for anyone that is going through a loss, whatever that is, you know, at this moment, it's really important to ask yourself, you know, how am I tending to this grief? What am I doing? Um, to give space to it or not and just yeah trying to bring up the levels of awareness so that you if you're 
overworking to avoid it, you know, noticing that and then thinking about, okay, this is what I've, this is what I've been going through personally. Okay. I really need to take a week off. I need to take time out and just sit and do some self-care practices, whether that's my yoga, breath work, chanting, and just dropping into myself and doing those practices of self-care just for myself as obviously, you know, someone that works in the wellness industry, doing these things for myself, taking time for myself, taking space, allowing that grief to take up space, allowing those difficult emotions to come and sitting with them and knowing that they will pass, they may come back, but allowing some time to move through them and sit with them, it's just so important. And I think the other thing that's really important is bearing witness or so time and space, but also have you have you given voice to your grief or your loss? Much in the same way that we're doing now, we're talking about, you know, I'm talking about my loss of this role as a mother, which has been immensely painful. Um, But I'm talking about it and that helps. So, you know, finding either support groups or friends um, that you can, or, or maybe it's a book or a poem, you know, finding something that can be the container for your for your grief. Um, I've just read this amazing book um, and it's called Descent and Rising by Carly Mountain. And it talks about a myth, but how that maps onto our lives. And it's just basically given me a container for my grief. It has been so helpful to understand that, you know, this is a journey, like, for me in the stages of my life as a woman, you know, I'm going through the heroine's journey. And in this moment, I'm right at the bottom of the descent. And knowing that there, that this has happened for thousands and thousands of years before us in various different ways for de- the, the people, for women, for men, you know, if, if, if it's men going through their changes um, or their life's passages, And so, you know, things like cultural things like books and poems can just be amazing. And I have to say this book, I read it in a week, devoured it, and it just really provided a container for my grief. And I didn't want it to end. (laughs) But yeah, so people that can bear witness to your grief, I guess, is the point. Yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful. And I will write the name of that book in the show notes below for anyone that Um, thinks they could enjoy it. And so speaking of taking time to time and space, time and space, I'm going to use this as a little segue into your retreat, which is coming up at the end of June, early July. And I am so excited to be on board with you, Karen. I'm super excited that you're going to be joining me on this retreat because it'll be lovely to have your meditations as well as some movement. I'm so excited. And for our listeners, Karen has just opened up a few more slots for her retreat. So we'll include all the info to that in the show notes below. But can you speak to it for a little bit? Yeah, yeah, sure. So this is a rising woman retreat. So it's a women only retreat. It is in Spain, in Cordoba, in a really beautiful, magical place in the mountains. 
It's on the 30th of June and it's a six days and five nights um, of yoga and healing and wellness. But more than just the yoga journey, it's about awakening the voice. So we'll be doing some voice activation work, um, some breath work. And when I say awakening the voice, I don't want people to think that, oh, like I'm not a singer, I can't come. It's not about singing so much, but about tuning into that inner voice, taking time and space, as you said, time out for yourself. I think especially as women, we are not great at taking the time we need to tend to ourselves. So this is a really great retreat exclusively for women to come and just slow down tune into their heart's desires and what they want to call forward and and I think for women we tend to be carers a lot of the time whether that's being for parents or children or other people we put other people first you know we, we people please a lot so I think it's so important to take time out for yourself invest in you and just turn down the outside noise and go what is it that I want so in terms of awakening the voice I'm talking to that you know it's it's what practices can we use? Breath work, humming, chanting. We'll be exploring some chanting, you know, nothing challenging, just how to tap into the voice and use that as a grounding tool, as well as an awakening tool to your desires and your, mm. you know, your intuition. What is it you want to move towards? Gorgeous. I love it. I love it. Well, I'm so pleased that you came on and Kind of being the first guest in this new model, I'm I'm really excited about all the um, future future conversations that you paved. And oh, awesome. well, thank you. Yeah, you're so welcome. And thanks for coming on. So I'll be sure to include Karen's info in the show notes below for you. Check her out on Instagram at Voice Mind Body UK. She has some wonderful free offerings there as well. And of course, check out her retreat as well, and maybe I'll see you there. And now, I'll be guiding you through a meditation inspired by my conversation with Karen. Let's carve out just a few minutes for you to be with yourself. So if you need to pause this meditation and get extra comfortable, please do so. And once you've found your comfortable posture, I invite you to close down the eyes, bringing your attention inward. And noticing what's showing up for you right now. Maybe there's a particular loss in your life that you can relate to from this conversation. Possibly there's another strong emotion that's present for you right now. Regardless, we're going to take just a few minutes to be with what is, to sit with whatever it is that's going on with you right now. Positive negative, or neutral. So as you continue to relax your body into stillness, let's take the attention to the breath for a moment. Your natural breath, which is coming in, 
and going out. Can you let your breath be just as it is? There's nothing to change, nothing to fix. Just letting the breath be as it is. And of course, on top of our breath, there are thoughts going on in the mind, emotions and physical sensations that are present. How can you right now make the intention to sit with what is? I find the mantra... Let it be, let it be, to be really helpful. You might silently repeat that in your mind. Let it be, let it be. Lovely. So come back to your breath, a deeper breath in, a longer breath out. And remember that we must let things be before we can let them go. Before we can move through the difficult, we must accept it. And also remember that whatever you're going through, you're not alone. And we'll have these waves, these ups and these downs, these ups and these downs. And I always like to remind myself that emotions are in motion. And continually return to this practice of letting them be, riding the waves. So I hope that you enjoyed this conversation and this little meditation. And we'll close this episode the way we always do with a deep breath in a complete breath out, and have a lovely day.